This is Geeks and Jacks. And welcome back to Geeks and Jacks episode 140. Recording on Groundhog Day, February 2nd, 2023. This is Ryan Salt McLeod here. Before heading into this episode, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. Also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for games and jocks. Plenty of content awaits. Definitely got some football stuff to look at as far as the Super Bowl goes. Look at some hockey a tiny bit. Talk the last of us, some good stuff and some sad stuff. Uh, a couple of movie-related stuff, including the Oscars. Talk about some Xbox delistings and few other things here in this episode of Geeks and Jocks. So this past weekend for movies, it did okay if I had to if I had to assume. I was looking at the numbers recently, uh, the numbers according to Box Office Mojo, and a couple things stood out. Especially number two and number three. So bear that in mind. So Avatar number one yet again made nearly sixteen million and a small drop twenty percent. Already sitting at six hundred twenty three million as it stands right now, and it's made two point one billion overall so that's that's saying a lot it's already surpassed Titanic's numbers I think it was what, last week or earlier in the week <laughs> I think it's number 4 all time probably behind Star Wars Avengers and obviously the original Avatar if I had to guess uh, but number two is what surprised me. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. This movie's been out for six weeks now, or six weekends, coming out a couple days prior to the Christmas weekend. It made almost $10.5 over the weekend. And its numbers are very impressive, all things considered. 142 a million domestically, just over 198 internationally, 340 million worldwide. I think the way that week, the day after Christmas and into New Year's, really boosted this movie, and definitely for the better. It's it's a it's a pretty good movie, very enjoyable. So, number three. This is a small, I think this is an indie film, yeah, Indian spy film, Pathan, number three, at six plus million, about 6.8, and it came out about a week ago, and it's sitting at 9.4 million domestically right now, and just over 10 million internationally. I don't know what the budget was for this, but I like to think it probably is doing okay. Hard to tell, really. Uh, finishing just below that at number four is A Man Called Otto. And it's enjoying a modest run so far. Just over 6.6 6 million and sitting near 47 million right now. Uh, domestically and 24 plus internationally so it's enjoying I would think a small form of profit number 5 is Megan 6.2 million over the weekend so obviously it's holding on pretty well 83 million domestic right now 65.7 internationally definitely will reach 150 million worldwide probably reach 160 170 by when it's all 
said and done it when it's finished. Uh, number six, missing. 5.6 uh, million, sitting at almost 19 million. Not sure how well the numbers are compared to its budget, but probably not all too great. Number seven, plane. I believe this is its third, yep, third weekend. No, fourth weekend. My apologies. No, third weekend. My apologies. Uh, it's making. Five point six million, sitting at thirty-two million internet uh, worldwide, a little over six internationally, a little over twenty-six million uh, domestically. Two new movies uh, hit number eight and number nine. Uh, number eight, Left Behind, The Rise of the Antichrist, a little over two and a half million. So this is one of those small, I think, horror sci-fi films. It doesn't specifically say. Uh, but right now, at $3.2 million, probably going to struggle immensely. And who knows if it's going to expand into more theaters. Same thing with Infinity Pool. Uh, this is, all, is this only a weekend-only release? Or are the numbers not updated? Anyway, uh, 2.5 million. Actually, the difference is about less than $40,000. And number 10, The Wandering Earth 2, making 1.4 million, hitting just 3 million, and 1.3 for almost four and a half million worldwide. This is probably going to be one of those movies that could get an expansion, but who knows. So as far as what's coming out over the course of the weekend, uh, today it's the limited release of Groundhog Day. That came out 30 years ago, and I think it's gotten, I think, more more love probably than when it was new. At least that's how I see it. So we got a ton, and I mean a ton of movies coming out. Three wide releases and a bunch of limited ones. So first is Faraz. A real-life terrorist attack that ravaged a DACA cafe. So, probably probably won't do all that great. Who invited Charlie? That sounds like a... Oh, this is a comedy. Bloody Mary's smelling pot smoking Charlie. Finally hiding out in the Hamptons. Oh man, I'm not sure this movie. I mean, maybe it does does okay, but I don't know. Uh, the Last Deal looks like a thriller film. Black market marijuana dealer making one final score when cannabis becomes legal. The Locksmith looks like a looks like a thriller. Oh yeah, a thriller. Thief out of prison, work daily life back into the life of his daughter and ex-fiance. Looks like a, maybe like a detective type thing, if I had to guess. Then we get to our first wide release, 80 for Brady. Which probably would get a small benefit based on the film and getting Tom Brady and a few other New England Patriot players in, but I can't imagine it being well regarded. 
don't know. It probably does okay, but probably doesn't make enough to recuperate its budget, probably. Uh, now to the limit. It's the blind man who did not want to see Titanic. Huh. Is that like is that a Morse code on the poster? Wow. It's already in like an international market at making less than twenty thousand. Looks like a really strange movie and I can't imagine it being a hit, even in limited form. Full time. Looks like a drama about a woman getting an interview for a job, <laughs> transit strike, like a frantic type of movie from the sounds of it. Uh, what else? A lot of nothing. Another, looks like a horror movie, comedy, drama, thriller. Hmm. What next? Come on. A Difficult Life, which is a re-release of a movie. Looks like a farm movie. Don't know much. Looks like something from like the 40s. Unless it's made to look like the 40s. Godland. Late 19th century, Danish priest travels from remote part of Iceland and look, it's just one of those, that's a lengthy drama, built to probably be a film. Daughter of the Bride, is this a, yep, looks like a, looks like a comedy, oh yeah, mother and daughter and several friends turned upside down when Mother announces engagement to a mystery man. Oh boy. And we got two wide releases next. Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan. I'd like to think this movie will probably be the number one film over the weekend. I mean, Shyamalan's been doing pretty well in over the last, what, five, six years. Although, probably that, whatever that one film he did with Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson, I don't think that was as huge a hit. But, more to be a horror film, and everything with horror being hot for, for the studios. Probably, probably number one, if I had to assume, and Maybe one of those movies that that makes over fifty million and be considered a hit. Next, the amazing Maurice. Huh. From Viva Pictures, so animated film. Huh. Looks really strange. Streetwise Cat. Perfect money-making scam finds a dumb-looking kid plays a pipe who has his very own horde of rats, which are strangely literate. I don't know if it'll overtake Puss in Boots, but <laughs> and last being a limited release, Let It Be Morning, a satirical tale of a man and his family trapped by military. Is this supposed to be serious or gently satirical when it's called a drama? I'm not sure I call it. I'm not sure I. Call it. If it's supposed to be comedy drama, just call it comedy drama. Don't call it anything else. And as we get towards award season. Obviously, you got Oscars, you got Academy Awards. And then you get 
Andrea Riseborough. So she did a movie called To Leslie. And so this movie was directed by Michael Morris. And this is a movie that's been getting some buzz due to the fact that it's that it made about twenty seven thousand uh dollars. Get that out of the way. Now this is a movie that just got put in with plenty of support from a number of celebrities, you know, screening the movie from, you know, Morse, you know, the director and his wife Mary McCormick. And so it's opened up an investigation according to multiple websites, I think like Variety talked about it and a couple other Hollywood type websites. I know a lot of these studios want to promote some of these smaller base films, but this is scraping bottom of the barrel. Like, digging really, really deep into the bottom of the barrel. That's what I think the problem is. I don't think it's necessarily a small film getting focal attention. It's the matter of a film that did nothing. And actually, I want to see what the reviews were like from critics, if it has any any reviews. Let's see. To Leslie. Well received on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics... 7.1 on IMDb, Google users 59%. This came out in October. Momentum Pictures distributed it. And see, Andrea Riseborough's in it, Mark Marin, Allison Janney. Let's see if there's anyone else. Stephen Root's in it. Wow. Budget was less than a million, so obviously this movie was not going to be a complete failure or anything. It's hard to. It's it's not hard to see why there's criticism. I'm gonna look at variety. See, Film Academy announced to conduct a review of stuff, whether it was deliberated, the campaign, reviewing tactics. This is from Variety, Purpose of the Academy's campaign to ensure fair and ethical awards thing. Amount of low-cost Oscar campaign leading to rumors they may have exercised aggressive tactics to target the 1,302 members of the actors' branch. Among the most prominent violations from the account that quote an excerpt from Richard Roper's Top 10 Films of the Year, Tar, reference to the movie Tar with Kate Blanche. I think that's, that's on for like Best Actress, I think. I don't know what you do with these award shows, if I'm being honest. There has to be this balance between what fans want to see win and what critics want to see win. I think, I think critics want to want there to be end all, be all for stuff like the Oscars, the Academy Awards, and I think fans just want to see some fairness because obviously there's been tons of snubs over the years you wonder how this movie went when this movie didn't and just all this other stuff either way award season's just annoying 
this is probably a way to inflate controversy because of the controversy last year with Will Smith slapping Chris Rock up in the ante, if I had to guess, to get ratings boosts. I don't know. It, I'm not sure if it's worth talking again, but if it does win something, probably talk about it. <sighs> Moving on to the NFL. Controversial AFC game. NFC game that went backwards. Now, if you were to tell me San Francisco would get its butt kicked, I would have laughed. My mind would have thought it'd be a close game. I think I would have thought San Francisco would have been a winner, but couldn't rule out Philadelphia to some point. And a lot of it, I feel, has to do with Philly's defense and getting to to the 49ers and stopping their offense. 49er defense only doing so much. In the end, Philly goes to their first Super Bowl in five years. 31-7 victory. Brock Purdy with a UCL injury. And uh, Josh Johnson taking over. The numbers for Philadelphia were not impressive either. They just weren't. Uh, but 49ers, Josh Johnson, 74. Uh, Purdy, 23 yards. McCaffrey, the really the only bright spot, 84 yards. Rushing in a score. Highest receiver was Debo Samuel at 33. The defense only got to Hurts once. Hurts did not have a good game. He didn't have a good game against New York the prior game either. Uh, 121, no touchdowns, no picks. He did run for a score, though. Miles Sanders had two touchdowns. Boston Scott had a touchdown. The leading rusher was Kenneth Gainwell with 48 yards. Uh, Leading receiver was 36 yards, Defonte Smith being the lead guy. Uh, A.J. Brown, 28 yards. And they'll be going to the Super Bowl, like I said. Three fumbles. Pretty easy to guess that. Pretty easy. Talk about the Eagles in a brief second. Um, there were a couple plays that were like missed in that game, but nothing too substantial and I don't think would have made a huge difference. Uh, Kansas City going to their third Super Bowl in four years with a 23-20 victory over Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, 270, one score, two picks. Samaji Perrine, 22 yards and a score. Mixon only ran for 19. Higgins, 83 and a score. Jamar Chase had a good game, 75 yards receiving. Not much else really from the other guys. Pat Mahomes, 326, two scores. The run game not being there. 26 yards rushing out of Pacheco. Touchdowns from Kelsey, Valdez-Scantling. Good receiving out of Pacheco. Otherwise, the rest, not so much. Uh, Pretty controversial ending uh, to the game regarding some missed block in the backs during punt returns. Some holding, which is never consistent, no matter the game. The shutdown of a third down play from ref Ron Torbert. And it, a rough in the passer that was very, very questionable, even for the CBS broadcasters, leading to the game-winning field goal by Harrison Bucker. And obviously resentment towards the refs and I think the coddling Kansas City gets and I really don't blame people if they have a hate towards Kansas City I think the way they are treated there there does seem to be a little bit of special treatment 
just because of Mahomes. And <laughs> there was some lip reading at one point, I think at the end of the game, of Zach Taylor, the coach of the Bengals, you could read his lips saying, it's rigged. <laughs> I saw that on a tweet. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if it does feel a little rigged because the officiating has gotten worse and worse every year for the NFL. And for it to happen on the penultimate uh, stage prior to reaching the Super Bowl, th- that's disturbing. There was a bad enough incident in tw- during the 2018 season with the championship game of the Rams and Saints, and that was very, very controversial. Although, I will add that the to-be-fair thing, the Saints did get the ball in overtime, and they fumbled on that opportunity. But with that said... The coddling of Mahomes and some of these other QBs that are the big faces of the NFL. I mean, when are the fans going to get something honest? When are they going to get something honest? And I I don't think the league's ever going to fix their officiating problem. I don't think they ever will. Until a ref gets hurt by a fan, who knows what is at stake. So we get a Chief Eagles Super Bowl. Andy Reid facing his former team. He did take Philly to the Super Bowl in 04, lost to New England. Not sure how much love there is for Reid as far as a Philly fan goes, but there was a lot of success with him there. Just couldn't win the big one. Reed does have a Super Bowl to his credit as a head coach from from three years ago. No, four years ago. During the... Uh, no, three years ago. My apologies. Uh, 2019 season. Getting them to the conference championship five times in a row. Ousting his own streak. Uh, four in a row with with Philly. Obviously, you have New England with Belichick, what, 2011 through 2018? Eight straight. I mean, with the way the Chiefs play, I mean, it's a good th- probably reach eight in a row. One of the uh, bigger storylines I'll get to in a second will be one of the linemen for the Eagles, I think the key to victory if you're Philadelphia is the defense. So far, I don't think Hurts is going to be having the strongest of games if they utilize their tools right, get the ball more to Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, use Gainwell, use Sanders, and have games of, I'd say, 70-yard performances and maybe a score from Sanders. But who knows? Maybe Hurts runs for a touchdown and get the defense to double-team Kelsey, force the throw to Scantling or McKinnon, do anything. If you're if you're the Chiefs, I think you have to stop the run game, but you gotta keep an eye on what Hurts can potentially do with his legs and arm. They gotta get that run game going though, the Chiefs. They need Pacheco to have a really, really good game and utilize McKinnon a bit more too. One of the bigger notes that I'll I'm going to come back to is Josh Sills of of the Eagles being indicted in Ohio for a kidnapping and rape. 
So as it stands right now, on the commissioner's exempt list, and obviously the league will keep eye on what's going on there. When I saw who reported it first, I am not too stunned because clickbaity and you know they're looking for attention. And that is TMZ. It's attention seeking, I think. But then again, I mean, some of these stories will come to light. I think more people would rather see confirmation from another site than TMZ. How they keep operating with their standards, I, I don't know. And that's something I'll divert to a tiny bit with Deadspin, considering they got this this overweight woman who probably has never played a sport in her life, Julie DeCaro, going after going after people who, well, athletes who aren't into the whole LGBTQ thing and the whole Pride Night thing that the NHL has been trying to do. I believe it started about a week or two ago with uh, Ivan Provenov. I think that's how you say his name. And he did not want to... I'm going to look up his name. Ivan. I know his name. Yep, here it is. Ivan Provorov. My apologies. And the whole thing with this is refusing to wear, do the team pride night thing and being called stuff such as... This was a couple weeks ago, actually. Uh, being called homophobic and some of this other stuff. The Rangers... The New York Rangers... were going to do something similar not too long ago. I think this past weekend. And decided not to... I'm sure the NHL is not liking it. Then you get, you know, idiots like DeCaro who who try to make these clickbaity, attention-seeking articles because they don't give a damn about journalistic integrity. You know combining it with the Sills thing you know there, there's no journalistic integrity it's more articles based on how they feel and using their political and their own beliefs as, as a way to smoke screen what they say and get people hooked onto their mindless uh, drivel And I think something that I just read about with the Eagle thing, uh, people going after the city as a whole, and I don't blame some people for going after Philly. Because as a whole, you think you can make the argument that they have one of the most obnoxious fan bases of all time, and I would argue probably one of the most thuggish with the way their history is. I mean, the fact that Veterans Stadium had a jail cell inside their stadium says a lot. But granted, that was kind of like the blue-collar type stuff. Think about some of those cities from back then. (laughs) Um, I, I feel like the United States wants to shove, like, political stuff into the sports world and it doesn't necessarily fly with 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 athletes. I think there was like a controversy earlier last year in regards to the Tampa Bay Rays, if I'm not mistaken. 
over some pride stuff and a few of them not wanting to. I mean, some people don't care for Pride Night stuff. They don't want to look fake or artificial into believing in something that they don't believe in. Or maybe they don't want to have this stuff put into their faces all the time or virtue signal. I wonder how some of like the LGBTQ I wonder how some of them would feel with the constant attempts to shove it into a viewer's face. There's a reason why with the politics, the NBA has struggled immensely over the last two, three years. MLB, to a certain extent, kind of. NFL, I think they've gotten a little more stricter with their stuff, but they're not getting... There being, I think, a balance between let some players do it, let some not do it with politics and all this other stuff. Like People just want to watch a normal game. They, they, they're not necessarily keen on seeing all this other stuff. Like There, like there can be a way, I think to do stuff of a pride night but don't try to shoehorn it into a sporting event if you want to do a sporting event have the people who are supportive <clears throat> join in on the festivities or are actively LGBTQ related you know not everyone agrees on this stuff and I'm sure some that do care about this stuff, they don't necessarily want it to be forced fed down the audience's throats, down the attendant uh, fans' throats either. They just want to watch a game, not not be fed politics. I don't really have much else to say in that regard. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous, and you see this with Deadspin. You see this with several other sites. It, it like the constant attention-seeking articles. They're not. They're not getting views. People are not buying into it. There's been a number of layoffs across multiple websites, gaming-related, sports-related. Shoot, I was listening to something just just before recording this episode on Gawker shutting down again. So Gawker started in early 2003 and got shut down in 2016 because of a lawsuit involving Hulk Hogan and a sex tape that got leaked and Gawker was found guilty. They went bankrupt. Someone bought them five years ago. They tried to bring it back in 2021. And it failed. Again. It's just... No one wants to read this crap anymore. And no one wants to see bias anymore. I mean, you see it with like Gizmodo, Kotaku, and some of these other stuff. No one wants to read that crap. No one wants to. One of the big things going on, moving quickly to another facet, is The Last of Us. Now, Last of Us debuted its episode... Up debuted its first episode on the 15th of January. And so far, it's doing really, really well. A lot of people, from what I understand, uh, liking this latest episode involving Bill and Frank. I think the relationship, something that was hinted about like maybe more than just friends were those two 
I think they expanded on that more with this particular episode. Since the reception has been very positive and things have gone well for it critically and viewer wise Last of Us is getting another season according to multiple websites I know there's a lot you can build and you know it could easily be a show that can run for anywhere I'd say like 4 to 8 years but how long it'll actually be on I don't know there's only so much you can do with, I think, a zombie apocalypse or the cordyceps or whatever it is, the clickers and all that. There's only so much you can do with with that concept. Something that I hope they learn based on what The Walking Dead did and maybe learn to not go on for that long. Seems like it'd be the one show that will probably do well in awards whenever they do the TV awards. So, definitely some good stuff. And unfortunately, that comes as one of their voices of the game passed away recently. And that is Annie Wershing. She played uh, Tess in the game. Passed away from cancer, a private battle according to multiple websites, uh, leaving behind a husband and two two boys, was mostly, I would argue, a TV actress, did shows such as 24, some of her other uh, notable stuff included Star Trek, and Bosch, and a couple other, a couple other TV shows, one of the bigger elements of wishing with Tess is like it's like a teamwork thing with her and Joel you know making sure you know they survive to the best of their ability and trying to work on the mission to smuggle Ellie to the Fireflies and I'll do very briefly, spoiler, uh, she winds up getting bitten herself and decides it's worth it to go after the military and try to do do some damage to give Joel and Ellie time to escape and, and figure out what to do next in the ensuing uh, uh, chaos of going across the uh, country. And, and spoiler. Now, this is going to go into another thing with with gaming. You can buy The Last of Us physically and digitally for PlayStation 3, for PlayStation 4. PlayStation 5 with the remake of that game. I think you can buy I think you can buy The Last of Us for like $10 on the PS3 store. No joke. <laughs> and I believe the expansion or the prequel flashback regarding Ellie I think that's $10 as well. point being is it's still there how much longer is that going to last because this is going to be kind of a look at digital gaming a tiny bit because Microsoft they just announced a delisting of about 45 uh, games for the 360 being taken off of marketplace Going to delisting. Here we go. Some some big stuff being removed 
I'm going to go to Destructoid because I read the stuff quite a bit. So, come this Tuesday, the 7th, 46 games from the 360 Marketplace will be delisted. Most of these are available elsewhere or in physical format. Available on Xbox One, Series XS, they'll remain available there. You'll still have access to them. So, they're not just getting rid of the games, they're getting rid of the DLCs of them. Some of their most notables include Aegis Wing, which is free, by the way. Download it if you can. Four Assassin's Creed games, which include Brotherhood, Three, Four, and Liberation. Uh, Blue Dragon, two Call of Duty games are on here, Ghosts and Advanced Warfare. Castle Crashers, Counter-Strike Go, Dark Souls, uh, Darksiders 2, uh, Daytona USA. Try to get that if you can. That is a good game. Try to get Daytona. Try to look for other stuff. Far Cry 2, Final Fight Double Impact, Jet Set Radio. I think that's part of the Dreamcast collection, I want to say, but I'll have to double check on that. Actually, you know, no, it's not. Get Jet Set Radio if you can. I think the only other way you can get it is via the Dreamcast, and that's it. Left 4 Dead 1 and 2, Lost Odyssey, Mass Effect 2, Peggle 2, Prince of Persia, Sega Vintage Collection, Alex Kidd and Company, Skate 2, South Park, Stick of Truth, Spelunky, The Orange Box, The Raven, Episode 1, and The Witcher 2. What I think is happening is Microsoft is looking at the 360 marketplace. And they know time is running out. Around this time last year, they took all the Halo games on the 360 and shut off the online for them. I think they delisted them as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think earlier that year, there was some other stuff like Metal Gear Solid uh, 5. Their online just got shut down. What can you do? I'm not sure there's anything you can do. And the only method that probably would be the case is modding or using something like the Xbox Series to emulate some of the emulators and have full-on support of playing some of these games on on Xbox and trying to preserve the games to the best of these emulation people's abilities. I seriously thought sometime over the last couple of years that the 360 and the PS3 would lose its stores. At this point, I, I, I don't have an answer to it anymore. I would like to say that this stuff probably will be shut down at some point, but is it this year? Is it 2024? Is it 2025? I, I My gut feeling is that we're going to see a shutdown of Xbox Live on the 360, I would say within the next year or two. Uh, it's not the greatest of predictions, but at this point, if this is not a sign that 360 is being sent out to pasture, I don't know what is. Sony tried shutting down stuff well, about a year and a half, two years ago. Heavy backlash. Heavy, heavy backlash. PS3 store is still open. Uh, Vita store is still open. They shut the PSP store down. I mean, some of the stuff that's on 360, if you have a PS3, try to get those as well. Um, What I mean by that is, unless there's 
something that changes over the course of the time. Uh, try to get what you can, physically or digitally. Try to look for Game of the Year editions, look for special editions. If they don't have, if they don't require like a code to be put in, do whatever you can. I would argue the same thing right now with the Wii U and the 3DS as they are almost on the verge of shutting down come March of this year. Sad to look at it this way. Can't say I'm too stunned about the Wii U. Talked about it in the past already about the shutdown of it. I mean, there's a there's a bit of stuff from Virtual Console that you won't be able to get. Especially some of the stuff on the DS and the Game Boy Advance. I mean, getting a Pokemon game for probably 10 bucks versus a Repro for, what, 50 bucks higher for, for, for a real copy, it it's not feasible anymore to get a reasonable price on Pokemon. Or some of the Super Mario Advance games. But then again, they have limited time the Wii U's. Same thing with any CD system. 3DS, uh, I would have thought this would have been beyond for longer than this. I would have thought it would have maybe get another year or two because, I mean, 3DS, it, it did reasonably well. Not to the level of the original DS, but... It had a wealth of games you know, of its own, and not to mention the digital stuff, being able to play some of the handheld Game Boy games, Game Boy Color, shoot, Game Gear. Think about playing Game Gear on that. Think about it. At that particular time, there wasn't really a real way to play Game Gear with that good of a screen without modifications to a Game Gear, of course. And there are options now. I think uh, Analog is doing something with adapters to play Game Gear on a good... stuff on a good screen. I mean... It's going to be disappointing, especially for some of that virtual console stuff on the Wii U, and some of the stuff that you could probably get at a decent price on the 3DS compared to finding it at a used game store or secondhand shop. Now, GoldenEye GoldenEye released not too long ago on the 27th and it's out for the Xbox One and Xbox Series systems and the Switch. There's a something that bugs me a little bit. How come there's no physical copy? Think about it. If you if you got a physical copy of this game, you put it on the store shelf. I would like to think it would do reasonably well within the first month or two. Now I'm not the biggest. GoldenEye 007 fan. I like the music. I think the graphics are really good. Uh, controls can take a bit of get use of getting used to, but it's I would say pretty good. I like the gunplay, the way some of the objectives are, but you know, maybe a little overrated if I had to say so. But thinking about it, it's going to be a shame if if these are just digital only, especially with being reduced to the Nintendo Online subscription for the Switch and not having controls that will feel kind of modern in a way. 
looking at the controls for the Xbox version, it seems like it'll control a lot better and probably provide a much smoother experience, but at the expense of no online multiplayer. Which, ironically, the Switch has online multiplayer. <laughs> That's going to be the biggest irony out of it all. Seriously. <laughs> How do you not have online on Xbox? It couldn't have been that hard to implement online multiplayer and still have local multiplayer. It can't can't be that hard, right? Either way, I mean it. I mean, I'm sure some people will look at some of the positives and the negatives to this particular game, and it'd be nice to see some other licensed stuff. See if some studios and some other properties, you know, work together with the companies, the game developers and publishers, and put out some good good licensed stuff again. Especially when you see what uh, Ninja Turtles has for the Cowabunga collection. And just thinking that, you had a brand new Ninja Turtle game, Shredder's Revenge. Seriously, I'd like to see something else like, uh, I don't know, maybe a Tiny Toon compilation. Konami's doing all these compilations. Or give a Rocket Knight collection. Give people the original Genesis version and give both Sparkster games and the one that just came not just came out uh, the one that came out in 2010 for PS3 and 360 give like a big package to that. You know you see it with uh, Capcom with the Street Fighters the Mega Mans and the Resident Evils some of those packs of getting Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6, for example. Just thinking that. I'd like to see I'd like to see Namco try to work around and try and give people Pac-Man World stuff or Pac-Man 2 New Adventures. You know what? How about a Tekken collection? I would love to see it. A compilation of Tekken games. Like, get the arcade versions and then get the PlayStation versions. I think it'd be cool to see what stuff was brought from the arcade to the PlayStation and if the additional stuff of PlayStation you know, content that was just on the home console. Actually, you know what? I'm just thinking this. Twisted Metal from from Sony. I, I I would love to see maybe maybe not so much a compilation, but like a remaster. I would love to see something like a Tony Hawk One and Two. Do kind of retain what made the first two Twisted Metal games good and do better graphics, better control. And gunplay, I think those would be fun to play. I seriously think it would be fun. I, I mean, there's got to be some good ideas. I would think. I'm trying to think of other, other company stuff. I'm thinking. How about something from Sega? There's got to be something that you could easily remaster, or do. Just thinking, like, the Genesis stuff. Like, let's see a Master System compilation. There's some good stuff on the Master System. It's just hard to find games. You know, give people the Sonic games. Give Alex Kidd uh, Golden Axe. If they if they got the chops to do it, 8-Bit Castle of Illusion. Uh, th- trying to think of other stuff, like the there's like Golvelius, the Fantasy Star game, Shinobi, Outrun. Well, take that back. Not sure if Outrun could get re-released because of the licensing with Ferrari. 
Space Harrier, Afterburner. I'm trying to think of other other games. Not sure if anyone would play those uh, great line of of sports games. There is pro wrestling. Man, this is this is one of those things that I gotta end before I rattle on and off about some of these compilation stuff. I gotta write down my own list at some point. Anyway, uh, this podcast is, as I said before, is on Anchor.fm. You can also find this on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So, and on down those places, search for Geeks and Jocks. Plenty of content awaits. So, with that. Episode 140 of Geeks and Jocks. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care, everyone. <laughs>